1: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's BYTE.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with BYTE. This week, on the Chicago Bears review. When the Bears and the Lions met in week four, they had combined for only one win and were sharing the bottom of the NFC North Division. Ten weeks later, the Lions are headed towards the playoffs and the Bears are looking ahead to 2017. Will the Bears get rolled in this game, or do they actually have a chance? Jeremy Reisman from SB Nation's Pride of Detroit joins us on the week 14 preview episode of The Chicago Bears Review! Different NFL we were looking at ten weeks ago when the Bears and the Lions met for the very first time. Because now, where it was, they were kind of on even ground going into that first game. They are definitely on opposite ends of the spectrum going into their uh, annual season finale. What's going on, everybody? Larity back the Week 14 preview episode of the Chicago Bears review and. Uh, technology uh cooperated uh you'll hear me talk about it at the beginning of my interview uh with jeremy um it was giving us fits and uh again if anybody out there has any suggestions um got some spare time want to do a little research and let me know if there are any other good uh, skype recorders out there because this one that uh, that i'm using it's a crapshoot and it's just crap in general. It has been uh, for quite some time. So, uh, if anybody's got any ideas out there on how I can uh, switch over to a different one to improve the situation and make it a carefree situation like it was before, um, like it was all throughout this, you know, through the first year and a half and all throughout this summer. And then all of a sudden, starting in the preseason, is when it started giving us fits and it's just been one problem after another. So, if you guys got anything, Feel free to uh, shoot me a shoot me an email, Chicago Bears review at Yahoo.com to uh, let me know what you find out. So, uh, but anyway, uh, the technology did cooperate well enough for us to be able to um, get the interview done on the second try, and uh, so Jeremy Reisman from SB Nation's Pride of Detroit is joining us for this week's. 14 for the week 14 preview episode so uh, he'll be helping us break it down with the lions and and what's been going on what's different with detroit where they you know where i mean the bears dominated that game too so that was the thing so it's like not only did they have a combined one victory between the two of them in their first six games uh, of the season but the bears went out and dominated that one to the point where the 17 to 14 final score doesn't really tell the story of uh, how dominant the bears performance in that game was if if not for a punt return in the fourth quarter it's a 10 point game and you know it's uh, it's you know it's a dominant two two score win uh for the bears but the failing on special teams made the game look much closer Uh, than it was so but uh, you know you hear Jeremy talk about how this team just keeps finding a way to win these games uh, in the fourth quarter you know um, this this past week against New Orleans uh, was the first time that they didn't that they weren't behind uh, in the fourth quarter and that uh, you know they didn't need a nail-biting heart-wrenching finish to the end uh, to come away uh, with the uh, victory so since losing to the Bears the uh, Colts are on a seven and one run, you know, in the eight weeks since that Week Four matchup, and uh, the Bears, on the other hand, if not for that, if not for our victory over San Francisco last week, would be on a one and seven tear. So it's it's definitely uh, definitely opposite ends uh, of the uh, spectrum. But um, you know, you will hear me say it at the, at the very end uh, of the the interview. This is an NFC North battle between teams that are very, very familiar with each other. They've already played each other uh, this season, so anything can happen. So, you know, yes, it would be surprising. Honestly, it would be surprising if the Bears won, but not really at the same time. You know, I mean, I don't think anyone is expecting, you know, with these two teams in the spots that they're in now. I want the Bears to win. We know that the Bears are capable of it. But can you trust the Bears to win, especially on the road where, uh, ironically, we were five and three a year ago and we have yet to win a road game so far this season. And we have two more chances. We have this Sunday against Detroit and then week 17 at Minnesota, or we go winless on the road and at home where we only won one game in eight tries. We're 500. We're three and three at home. And, and I, and frankly it should be much better uh, than that, but uh, it isn't. So take that for what it is. But um. You know, it's an interesting talk that we have uh, with Jeremy and, and, and what uh, what tides have turned uh, for them uh, this year, and we'll get to that in just a few minutes. But a um, couple of things I want to talk about before we go diving in uh, to our talk with, with Jeremy. And uh, first one is, is tragedy on the bear front. Um, you know, we learned uh, the other day, um, just after I, I posted the uh, – a uh, review episode, a happy victory episode that we finally got to post for the first time in four weeks. Um, the, the bear alumni lost one of its own when, um, Rashan Salam, a former first round pick in, in, uh, the spring of 95 and, uh, the Heisman trophy winner of 1994, uh, was found dead in a park in, in Colorado. And, um, the, you know the story just keeps getting more and more tragic as you listen to it. Um, the reports from his mother telling, uh, telling the press or, or whatnot, saying that authorities found a note with his body um, in in that park. So it's starting to look like uh, Rashawn may have taken his own life. Um, you know he he was a first round pick for the Bears in '95, one that I was actually quite frankly um, happy about. I was excited when we when we drafted uh Salam, his rookie year, was outstanding. Had over 1,000 yards, 10 rushing touchdowns. Had a problem turning over the ball. He fumbled the ball a lot. But that's to be expected with a rookie learning his way in the NFL. But had over 1,000 yards, had those 10 touchdowns. And then from his second year on, he was only with the Bears for two more seasons but played a little bit with uh, Cleveland and Green Bay uh, after that. But it was uh, knee and ankle injuries that uh, you know plagued him for the rest of his uh, unfortunately short uh career uh he made many other attempts to uh rejuvenate his career he was actually one of the quote-unquote stars of the xfl very early on he played for the i think the memphis maniacs or something like that uh he was one he was leading rusher on on their team there uh for a bit and i and i read in his bio that he played some time uh in canada uh as well so you know didn't had trouble letting go of the game as a lot of us former players uh do but uh um, not sure what what he was doing in his after football life but um apparently he wasn't uh he wasn't happy and he, and he got low enough that if 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 what we if if what a note being left behind would lead you to believe um before he took his own life um yeah that's just it's unfortunate it really is um i um i have feelings about that that kind of thing and i'm not going to share them here but it just uh you know it's 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 tragic it really is and it's it sucks to hear uh that's what happened and um you know i you you had one thought when i first read the the reports that he had passed away uh, you know reports saying uh you know police found no signs of foul play or anything like that i was like well maybe did he have a did he have a heart attack? Was he sick? Did he have a stroke? You know, something like that. He, they said they found him in a park, and it's like, okay, does, you know, but no signs of foul play, so that's basically saying that he wasn't murdered. So, he died. You know, he just went into the middle of a park and he died. Or, you know, that kind of thing. So, but then they were saying that his mother told the press that the police told her that there was a note, and they were not going to release the contents of the note until she was there to actually see it herself. So nothing has come uh no news no new news since then, but um, you know, speculation would lead you to believe that um, uh, you know, Rashan was unhappy and decided to depart, if you will. Um I actually met Rashan Salam when I was in high school, or I can well, not really. I was too much of a coward to go up and actually talk to him, but I ran into him in all places at a Whole Foods in Highland Park, uh, Illinois, and followed him around for a while because I was certain that it was him, but I was wasn't certain at the same time because he wasn't wearing a football uniform with the number one thirty one with the number thirty one blazoned on his back uh, or anything. But my aunt, who I was my I was with my aunt and my sister, we were walking around the store and she was wondering what the hell my deal was, and I told her I was like, "That's Rashawn Salam." I was like, "That is Rashawn Salam." she's like who is Rashaan Salam and of course i almost backhanded her right there in the middle of the you know produce aisle or whatever you don't know, ask me who rashaan salam is god damn it and uh, so anyway he noticed that i was following him around he waved at me so that's when i had my my aunt you know like i said forever the coward i had my aunt go and ask him for his autograph and i got it um it was illegible, as most athlete signatures are, but he put a 31 on there for me just so I could show it around to my friends and be like, see, Rashaan Salam gave me his autograph, and uh, I don't know what happened to it. To be honest with you, I, I lost it at some point, so I, I no longer have it. Uh, it would be nice to have it now, but um, I, did, uh, I did meet Rashaan Salaam, uh, uh, or I saw him at a grocery store uh, back in the day, and uh, I got his autograph. So that's my Rashaan Salam story. Uh, for now. But um, you know, uh may he rest in peace and uh may he find what he couldn't find in this world in the next one. So that's all I'm saying uh about that. And then finally, uh drama on in the Hallis Hall front, um rumors um surfacing um from the Chicago Tribune. Um I forget which reporter it was, but uh saying that basically um You know, turmoil between uh, Fangio and John Fox may ultimately lead to Vic Fangio not being on the on the coaching staff uh, in 2017, which would also insinuate that John Fox is coming back uh, in 2017, which um, right now I'm not on board with that. Uh, um, So both both Fox and Fangio are disputing this claim. That the rumor is that uh, you know that uh, basically Fox and Fangio aren't getting along. They don't see eye to eye either on the the way the defense is being run. You know maybe the personnel being used. There's some disagreement there between the two of them on on what's going on with the defense. I honestly don't see how it could. It would make more sense if it was Dole Loggins and John Fox aren't getting along right now because points wise we still have one of the worst offenses in football um you know 26 this past sunday against the the 49ers is the highest point total we've produced all season and uh you know it's uh it's you know the offense has grossly underachieved the defense on the other hand um you know has failed the bears at times but not because it's the defense's fault it's the the offense has been the defense's worst enemy in the fact that in most games the offense can't keep itself on the field so the defense eventually gets worn down at the end of the games we would always have these fourth quarter collapses because the offense can't hold up its end of the bargain I mean in a lot of ways it really wouldn't have it didn't really mean that we needed the offense to score points which of course would have been nice but so much that the the offense will go out there and three pass plays, which means they ran a total of about nine seconds off the clock, and then the defense is back out on the field, you know, and now all of a sudden our defender, you know, the offense is, uh, the opposing offense is putting together 10 and 12 play drives that put, keep them on the field for seven, eight minutes and so on uh, and so forth. So. The defense's own worst enemy has been its own offense. So if you would have told me that Loggins and Fox were the ones that were feuding with each other, that would make sense to me. But regardless of the fact that the defense um, has had its issues and its injuries on top of that, right now we still have a top 10 defense. We're number seven in the NFL right now. We're pretty good as far as pass rushing is concerned, getting after the quarterback. Our our rookie first-round draft took. Uh, Choice leads all rookies with seven sacks right now. Uh, He's a candidate for defensive rookie of the year. I think it's basically like a two-man race between him and Joey Bosa uh, at this point. And, um, you know, the only thing that's really bad on our defense is our secondary. So, I mean, that's obviously got to be the focus going into free agency and the draft this year, which is why I, I love to shoot down these mock drafts and everything that have the Bears taking Deshaun Kaiser or uh, you know Deshaun Watson uh, in the first round of these mock drafts, I think that's insane. Uh, I'm on the Jabril Peppers bandwagon right now, and I understand that people say that you know Peppers might be an over, over, uh, overvalued or you know whatever uh, prospect, but. He solves a few problems for the Bears. Number one, he'd be an impact player, which we need. You guys have you know read this post on Facebook if you saw it. Number two, he solves a problem at safety with the Bears if needed, since Mike Brown started falling apart with injuries. And number three, he could be a punt returner for us. He could be our Patrick Peterson. He's as big an impact player for the Cardinals as they have uh, on that team. Quite frankly, he still might be their he might be their best player. You know, he's a quarterback and he's their punt returner and uh, and so on. And the Bears could use somebody like that, somebody who's going to make something happen out there. And, um, you know, that's why I would be on the drill peppers um, bandwagon, because secondary is where we need the most help. And, um, you know, impact player on defense, especially is where we could use some help uh, as well. The Bears. Are horrible with interceptions. I think we only had maybe four last year. Do we even have that many now? You know what I mean? It's just like it's it's bad. It's really bad. That's the one thing that's really been missing from Fangio's defense is the Bears actually creating some turnovers, getting the ball back into the hands uh, of the offense. You know, um, I know we got a turnover against Tampa Bay, but. Before, After Tampa Bay, or before Tampa Bay, if you will, the only other game that I can think of where we generated a turnover was the two interceptions that uh, Matt Stafford served up to us in the first game. I'm really, you know, grasping at straws trying to see where it was the Bears created turnovers elsewhere uh, on defense this year. It's been really bad uh, out there. So, um, you know, like I said, both uh, Fox and Fangio are denying the report. Uh, that there's any kind of turmoil. Fox has said that he wants his entire staff to return in 2017, which I hope is not true on the offensive front, because I think we need a more experienced offensive coordinator out there, uh, someone who will do a better and maybe more consistent job than Dole Loggins uh, has done. Now, Granted, just like anybody else on the Bears staff, injuries have been an issue uh, for Loggins, and he hasn't had the weapons that he wanted from the very beginning, but regardless you know Fangio's been been basically in the same boat and he's got the number seven defense in the NFL Loggins on the other hand is in in the bottom third and one one of the worst in, in scoring points uh at the same time so you know I would definitely say that we keep Fangio get rid of Loggins to move on um with a with a new offensive uh coordinator so just my thoughts on those two little headlines and um you know Looking forward to this game on Sunday because I'm interested to see what Matt Barkley will do against a good football team. You know, the um, the Tennessee Titans were kind of a, you know, are they or aren't they kind of team. The Obviously, the 49ers are the worst team that we've played all season. And now we're moving on to a team in the Lions who, like I said, have won seven out of their last eight, are leading the division by a couple of games. And, you know, are, are peaking right now. This is a team... That um, you know, you hear Jeremy talk about it. at the beginning of the season, the defense was a huge problem. They've really kind of come along over the course of this winning streak. Haven't allowed more than twenty points in the last seven or eight weeks, or six or seven weeks, something like that. And um, you know, have really been a big, uh, big part in keeping the Lions in the games for Stafford and company to come back and win them uh, in the fourth quarter. So, uh, interested to see what Barkley will be able to do. Um, against this team. Hopefully our def- our offensive line will hold it together and keep uh, Barkley clean like they have in these first two games. I think in the two games against Tennessee – And uh, San Francisco, he's only been sacked once, and I think it was maybe once against the 49ers, and that was it. So hopefully they can keep him clean uh, against Detroit as well, and he can avoid the mistakes that he avoided uh, in the San Francisco game. And really, let's just make it about the Lions being the better team if that's what has to happen on Sunday. I don't want to have to come back on on Monday reviewing the game, talking about the interceptions and turnovers and and so on and so forth. I would rather watch a straight-up, Football game where the better team wins as opposed to, you know, having to sit here and wonder what if as far as, you know, turnovers and uh, penalties and so on and so forth. So what do you say we go ahead and dive right in and get our good friend Jeremy Reisman in and talk about this game between the Bears and the Lions for week number 14. And back to help us preview the Week 14 matchup between our beloved Chicago Bears and the Detroit Lions, Jeremy Reisman from SB Nation's Pride of Detroit. Jeremy, thanks so much for coming back.
2: Thanks for having me back. Appreciate it. I always love being here.
1: Yeah, so we'll call this take two because our our glorious technological uh, problems have uh, forced us to switch and uh, maybe this conversation will never see the light of day and we'll just be talking for fun here or, or maybe actually people will, will actually hear this uh, and be able to enjoy our insight and input as far as this goes but um, 10 weeks ago when our two teams met they would played three games each only combined for one win which was uh, Detroit's week one win over Indianapolis and since then if not for the Bears' victory over the San Francisco 49ers, one win is all the Bears would have since then. And the Lions on the other hand are on a 7 and 1 tear and are on a two-game lead in the NFC North Division. What a crazy season it's been for you guys.
2: Yeah, it's it's been unbelievable. I I think I have to give the Bears a a thanks because they were our rock bottom. We <laughs> we we lose to the Bears and then all of a sudden we're we're a good team, I guess, because seven wins in in eight games is something the Lions haven't done in two decades. So uh, it's really a surreal feeling because when they were one and three there, you know, everyone's getting called for, you know, a firing. Everyone wants Jim Caldwell's head. Everyone wants a new offensive coordinator. Everyone wants a new defensive coordinator, maybe even a new quarterback. And now, now Matthew Stafford's an MVP candidate. So this is a, quite a turnaround and one I don't think anyone really saw coming.
1: Yeah, and and one that um has not been easy on the hearts uh of Lions fans because yeah. um uh, aside from maybe that, uh, well, I mean, they they made it close at the end. But aside from maybe the Green Bay game, week three, and this pass game against New Orleans, where you guys actually had a two touchdown lead in the fourth quarter, uh, pretty much every single game has come down to the very to the very end. And you know, their their every single game was in either could be won or lost by the Lions so far this year. So I mean, is is it a confident confident eight and four you guys are in, or is it? Are a lot of Lions fans like, yeah, we're eight and four, but we could be, you know, two and six or you know, two and nine or or whatever, like the Bears are.
2: That's that's a great question because I think if you would have asked me that question last week, I would have said I'm not very confident in this team, but. The Lions put together their first full performance against the Saints last week. Pretty much dominated them from start to finish at New Orleans' home turf. And if you if you look at the stats, the defense is really the major reason for this turnaround. Because through the first month, month and a half, they were god awful, worse than the league defense. You know, letting Brian Hoyer tear up our secondary, that sort of bad, and. Now they're, they're, they're actually, I mean, they picked off Drew Brees three times on Sunday um, and to they I believe it's six straight opponents that's under 20 points. So I think, I think I'm starting to believe in this team and the general rule for any Detroit Lions fan is to expect the worst. And so I think everyone is still a little gun shy, just out of habit, but two-game lead with four games left and you got no offense the Bears coming up while Green Bay's got a tough game in Seattle Lions fans are really starting to believe right now
1: yeah it's a good spot to be in especially with your Thanksgiving victory over Minnesota technically they're the team that's right behind you even though they have a he. they have the uh, the same record uh, as Green Bay you've you virtually have like a three-game lead over Minnesota because yep. you have the, you know, even if they were to somehow miraculously finish with the same record as you guys, you swept the season series, so you're going to take the division no matter what if it comes down to uh, to you and Minnesota. And I was just looking at the schedule, and that, including the one game that you've lost in this stretch where Houston did score 20, you've held the last six opponents to under 20 points. That's true. Yeah,
2: yeah. and But, but like you were saying, it, it still has kind of, necessitated that that last-minute comeback. It, the Lions have actually been losing in the fourth quarter of every single game this season except for last week, and I think that's why I'm starting to feel a little better about this team. Maybe they don't need some late-game um, heroics for Matthew Stafford and Matt Prater, who's been money all year. Um, maybe this team can actually put together full performances and, and give our hearts a, a rest for a week.
1: Well, they're going to need it. The next four games are you got two divisional games and and two of the better teams in the NFC in this final four games. So you guys are kind of peaking at the right time if that's what's happening with your defense, especially you got the Bears this week. So that's probably your one, you know, for lack of a better term, gimme game where you don't really have to worry much. I mean, you get in, get out in front of the Bears and things are going to take care of themselves, but uh then you got the Giants and the Cowboys both on the road before you come home to finish things up uh, with Green Bay. So those last three games especially are treacherous. And then, you know, the, the Bears game, yes, you guys are the better team. You should definitely win this Sunday. But it's a divisional game, and stranger things have happened in divisional games. So, you know, these last four games, uh, they're going to be rough for the Lions.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And as a fan, I'm just hoping they, they can wrap this up quick. Um the Lions' magic number can actually go down to one this week if they beat the Bears and Seattle beats Green Bay. Then the Lions just need one more win in those final three to wrap up the division, and I think they could probably steal one from the Giants who don't look very good, and Jason Pierre Paul just had surgery, so he's going to be out for that game. Um, I don't want to look too far ahead because we already lost to the Bears this week, (laughs) or this year, and you know, like I said, Lions fans, nothing's guaranteed right now, but the Lions, I mean, I think the last thing most fans want is for that Week 17 game between the Lions and the Packers to mean anything. So they have an opportunity to take care of their business a little early, and if they don't, you know, we could be in for a huge disappointment. Which I don't. I don't even want to consider right now.
1: Right. Well, I mean, the the one thing that I hope that that game against Green Bay means, if anything, is that you and I will get our wish. Is that the Lions winning? Will keep Green Bay out of the playoffs with a healthy Aaron Rodgers under center for the first time uh, in his uh, in his career. I mean that that would be kind of like the cherry on top if there could be one, especially for me. The way my team yeah. has been playing uh, this year, to know that uh, Green Bay has no excuse other than the fact that they just weren't very good uh, in 2016. So that would be a nice thing. Uh, Nice thing to see. No ill will towards Rodgers or wanting him to injure or anything like that. I just want there to be a season where Packer fans don't have an excuse for their team not doing something. You know, just you just guys weren't. It happens. You guys didn't have a good year in 2016. You lost, and that that was it. So,
2: I'm sure. I'm sure they'll they'll come up with an excuse. You know that.
1: Oh, they're 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 lousy for excuses. So, I mean, I I wouldn't put it past them. But uh, you know, it would just be nice to know that. To know in my heart, they don't have excuses. (laughs) There's no validity to what you're saying. You guys just sucked in 2016. Deal (laughs) with it. The rest of us in the North have had to deal with it for more than we would like to talk about. Thank you very much, but you can deal with it for one stinking off season. So, but um, you know, so you were talking about the defense. Is is that really why the the Lions have been able to to win seven out of the the last eight? Are they more opportunistic? Are they you know forcing turnovers or you know because I know that Stafford has been on this incredible tear since since uh, God help me Cooter took over as the <laughs> uh, offensive coordinator and everything, being a lot more being a lot smarter with the football because he was kind of like a younger Drew Brees where yeah he's going to throw a hell of a lot of touchdown passes but he's going to turn the ball over a lot as well.
2: Right, and yeah, I, I do think that's definitely part of it. Stafford, you know, basically the biggest improvement in Stafford's game has, has been taking care of the ball. And then, you know, the flashiness of Stafford is, has come late in the fourth quarter where, you know, he's led seven comeback wins in the last two minutes of, of the game or overtime. So that that's kind of what makes all the headlines and draws all the heads. But, but like, I, like I said, I, I think the defense – does deserve a lot of credit and I I was one of these people who was holding out on the defense I didn't believe anything they were doing recently was real because they're facing the likes of you know a Sam Bradford behind a terrible Vikings offensive line Blake Bortles you know just not great offenses but you know you you dig a little deeper and then you see what they did to Drew Brees and you think well okay maybe this defense has actually found something that works and I'm not going to call this defense a top 10 defense or anything like that. I don't think they're that good. But compared to where they were at the beginning of the season, you know, Lions fans were saying at the beginning of the season, this offense is so good. If this defense could even just be average, then this team could actually go where, go somewhere. And that's where I think they're at right now. I think this defense is probably about an average defense, which is a monster, monstrous improvement. And his offense is good. It's not great, but it's good. And that sort of balance is something that the Lions really haven't been able to do in the past, you know, decade or so. So I think they kind of have, you know, some sort of concoction that works for them right now. And, and it, it is a real improvement. And it is scary and exciting at the same time. So where's
1: the where's the thought process now on on the future of the team as far as you know Jim Caldwell and and everything? I'm not sure his job is safe. Uh, and everything, but do do Lions fans want it uh, to be safe? I mean, are are we crediting Caldwell for this turnaround? Are we looking at more of the coordinators with where, where, where you know where Jim Bob Cooter and and, and Terrell Austin are the, are the reasons that the team is turning around?
2: I think Lions fans are still a little bit split on that. Caldwell has lost a lot of goodwill with the way last year turned out and the way this year started. So he he's really had to do a lot to gain their trust back, and I think it's starting to happen. I was kind of one of those people who wasn't a fan of the hiring in the first place. And every little thing that I saw out of him just kind of irked me a little bit, but it's hard to deny his success in Detroit. He, he got 11 wins in his first year. That was like fourth highest, I think in Detroit Lions history. And now he's on the verge of bringing the team to the first division title in 23 years. And I mean, what, what, what else could you expect in three years' work for the Detroit Lions? I mean, I think you have to give this guy credit. You have to even maybe give him consideration for Coach of the Year with the way they turn things around. It'll it'll be interesting to see what General Manager Bob Quinn decides to do because I think a lot of people thought Jim Caldwell was entering this season as a lame duck. Anyways, I don't I don't think that's the case anymore. I think Jim Caldwell's probably won himself at least another year unless lions kind of have this epic meltdown and don't make the playoffs somehow
1: right so are are you are you impressed with the way that the offense has played everyone since basically everyone was saying that uh you know there there would be no life after Calvin Johnson, after his surprise retirement at the end of the season last year, was supposed to leave this monstrous hole in the offense did did it help uh, in a way that maybe Calvin Johnson wasn't there? so Stafford has to spread the ball around kind of like Jay Cutler and Brandon Marshall. he had to look for somebody else because Marshall wasn't there to throw to uh, anymore or is uh you know, have people stepped up?
2: I think that's a tough question to answer because I think. We saw a little bit of this improvement towards the end of last year when Calvin was still on the team. So I don't think necessarily losing Calvin helps Stafford in any sort of way. Um, But it's undeniable that the Lions offense is humming without him. I think that there is something to be said about spreading the ball, but I still think if the Lions had a guy like Calvin Johnson, they'd probably have a little bit less trouble lately. They've had some issues in the red zone. Um, obviously, Calvin Johnson is a great option there. Um, going deep, they haven't really done it quite a ton this year. Um, they haven't really needed to, but it's always kind of better to have that option. So I don't want to you know, say this team is better without Calvin Johnson. But I, And I think a lot of fans within Detroit, and granted a lot of us are homers, didn't really see the loss of Calvin to be that big of an issue because they had so many weapons at all these times. And they saw Matthew Stafford spreading the ball around at the end of last year, and you know a guy like Antoine Bolden was a really, really underrated pickup. He actually leads the team in touchdown catches right now. Um, he's kind of been that red zone threat, and he just Matthew Stafford is actually talking him up today about how quickly he was able to grasp everything, how much of a veteran leadership he has with that receiving core. So I, I think the Lions do have kind of that myriad of weapons that kind of make up for Calvin Johnson and not necessarily make the team better, though.
1: So how about this offensive line? I I think it's kind of gone under the radar. I mean, I certainly haven't heard anybody uh, talk about them. You have, to my knowledge, at least three first-round picks on the offensive line and other higher draft picks, uh, as well, I think maybe you you're, you got a third rounder in there. That's like one of your starting guards and everything. How have they performed this year? Are are they the cowboys of the north with this offensive line and the investment that the Lions have made in it?
2: They're they're not there yet. They're they're all still quite young. I mean, they have Taylor Decker playing at left tackle, doing a much better job than I think anyone expected in his rookie year. In fact, when the Lions drafted him, that drafted him, I think most people saw him as a right tackle in his first year. But he's he's been very good at the left tackle. Not great, but good. And now they have a rookie left guard playing right next to him in Graham Glastow, who's the guy that we picked up in the third round this year. Um, they've been playing all right. I would say they've probably been an average bunch. The Lions really like that quick passing attack, so it's kind of hard to judge them on their pass blocking since the ball gets out of there so quickly. And the running game has kind of still been non-existent, so they're not quite impressive there. Um, One important note for this game, though, is that um, there was kind of a surprise injury on the report on Wednesday that uh, center Travis Swanson has a concussion. So that could result in some shifting of things around. The rookie, Graham Glasgow, probably shift over to center, start his first game there, and then uh, the Lions actually have another first-round draft pick, Lakin Tomlinson, who would probably take over at left guard. So the Lions have invested a ton of drafts, uh, equity on this offensive line. And we're starting to see it pay off, but it, they're still kind of gelling together. And I, I think maybe next year is the year that you can expect them to be a top unit. Nothing like the Cowboys quite, but um, they're getting there.
1: So is Tomlinson a disappointment at this point, considering that he's a first-round pick and he's a backup right now?
2: Yeah, absolutely. He, he started the season as a starter and got pulled. And we've actually seen him and Glasgow kind of trade – some time at left guard, but it seems at this point, Blaskow had taken over that role. Um, with this injury, we'll see what happens. We'll see if uh, Travis Swanson can recover in time. But if not, I would definitely expect Lincoln Thompson to be in there at left guard, and uh, he's proven to be okay. But I mean, he's a first round draft pick. This is a this is a second year. Um, he should be playing, and the fact that he isn't is, is definitely a disappointment at this point.
1: So, how are you guys doing health wise? Because I don't think I need to tell you how the Bears. Are doing. I think, the, our, I think our, our list for people that aren't injured is actually shorter than the, the, the list of the people that are at this point. Uh, how are the Lions doing health-wise going into this fourth quarter of the season?
2: Um, so uh, the Lions have probably been one of the luckiest teams in the NFL in terms of injuries this year. Um, certainly the luckiest team in, in the NFC North, I would say. Um, but this week has, has kind of been rough on them. They, they did just put their starting slot corner on injured reserve country digs this week. They also lost um, a rotational defensive end in Armand Bryant for the year. Um, and then, like I said, the, the Travis Swanson injuries probably the most significant um, of the team right now, this week. We'll see if he can go. If it's not, they'll be, they will be okay. Um, other than that, the Lions have kind of been rotating through running backs this entire season. Amir Abdullah went down very early and injured reserve. There's rumors that he might be able to make it back at some point this year. I don't really think it's going to happen. Um, now we have the Riddick missing practice on Wednesday. The Lions picked up Joyke Bell, who spent some time with you guys and the Bears actually faced the Lions. When, uh, yes, he did. Yeah, and now the Lions brought him back to face the Bears. So. We'll see what happens there, but I wouldn't really expect Joy Bell to make much of an impact. Um, But other than that, the Lions have been really, really lucky with their health. Marvin Jones did miss last week. I expect him to return. And then the biggest question is DeAndre Levy, who had arguably a Pro Bowl season in 2014. He's played one game since, and uh, Lions fans are growing impatient because they haven't put him on the IR. The team's very quiet about what his injury is. But if he can finally make his return this week, he hasn't played since week one, um, that could be a boost to the defense.
1: He's only played in one game since he got injured in 2014?
2: Yeah, yeah. He got injured in the offseason in 2014, or actually in a preseason game in in 2015. uh, Missed pretty much the entire season. He played one half in 2015, and then they realized he wasn't ready. And the Lions have been notoriously quiet about it. And so... All sorts of rumors have popped up. People are getting very angry with Levy, thinking that he's quit on the team. I don't believe any of that. Um, Based on everything I know about DeAndre Levy, he's one of the hardest working people on the team. But then, you know, there was all this optimism that he was finally going to be ready this year. He played in the first game, played through the whole game, and he's been sitting on the injury report since. So it's been a really strange situation. Hopefully, he's been kind of inching 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 towards you know being a limited limited in practice being a full in practice and he just hasn't quite made it to the active roster yet so we're still waiting
1: interesting i see well um two final questions i have for you the first one is about your your coordinators austin and even jim bob cooter with success especially on the offensive side with with how how much it's helped matthew stafford um you know, what do you think the likelihood is that you might lose one or both to a head coaching job this year?
2: That's also a really, really interesting question. I think, well, Tara Austin received some head coaching interviews last year, um, but the way his season started this year, no one thought he would even make it through the year as the Lions defensive coordinator. There was a lot of talk about getting rid of him in the middle of the season, and I think if the Lions would have had Some other option, it could have happened. But now, like I said, with this rebound, his name is kind of becoming hot again. And I think you'll probably see him get interviews again this this year, especially if the, the lines keep it up. That's for Jim Bob Cooter. This is his first complete year as an offensive coordinator. So I don't quite think he's ready to make that leap, but he's certainly made a name for himself over the past year and a half. And if he doesn't get interviews this year, I bet he will next year and so that's something the Lions are going to have to prepare for because um, he and Stafford really have a thing going on right now, and the Lions will have to figure out some sort of contingency plan for when that ends because it probably will end fairly soon.
1: All right, and then finally, um, with, the, with the Lions likely headed to the playoffs, I mean, I think that's that percentage is way up there uh, at this point. How do you like their chances in the playoffs right now? Because really the only team, and the thing that I love about the NFC is that it's almost always so wide open. The thing that makes me sick about the AFC is that it's about a three-team race, and then after those three teams, it doesn't matter because it's always going to come down to one of those three teams. The NFC is completely wide open. It looks to be the Cowboys' conference to lose uh, at this point, but aside from the Cowboys, does anybody else in the NFC make you nervous to, to the point where you think it could be Detroit and Dallas playing for the NFC title?
2: That is a heavy question, my friend. I haven't, you know. It, it, Fantasize it, it, with
1: me, Jeremy. I, come on.
2: I was in single digits for the last time the Lions won a playoff game, so it's hard for me to imagine a playoff win. But if 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 I swallow all that down, push all those weird feelings down, I think any team with a, a, a really good defense are the ones that scare me. So. So I, I think the Lions could even compete against Dallas, to be completely honest. But a team like Seattle to me is a little more scary. Right. A team even if Minnesota can squeak their way into the playoffs, even though the Lions have swept them twice, they beat them by a razor's edge each time. So if if a team like Minnesota, a team like Seattle faces the Lions in the playoffs, those are the teams that scare me. And and then you also have to kinda of consider the Bucks at this point, the way they're playing yeah. right now. I haven't seen a ton of their games, but you know, the way they kind of came out of nowhere, now they could very well win the South. So uh, that's, that's a team I just want to keep an eye on at this point. So I'm not going to say this team can beat anyone in the NFC because I haven't seen this team win a playoff game since I could create memories. <laughs> so uh, I, I don't want to get out of hand here, but I, I just think it's, it's the defensive teams that really scare me. And so, that's actually why I even have a little bit of fear for this game this week because that Bears defensive line is nothing to mess around with.
1: Well, that, that actually was, was going to be my actual closing question was, you know, what are you guys looking forward to in this game as far as like not so much like optimistically or and, and whatnot, but it's like what are you anticipating uh, from this team? Uh, coming in this week i mean what, what aside from maybe the defensive line because i mean leonard floyd has been a pleasant surprise in my opinion i right. i did not want to draft that guy to be completely honest with you and he's been he's yeah. been really good he could still use about another 15 pounds on that frame of his but other than that he's looking really good and you know jordan howard that's an obvious answer there but this you know if you stop those two guys do you stop the bears or is there anything else for you guys to be worried about
2: that's, that's honestly, that's my game plan right now is to, is to stop Jordan Howard, stop the, the Bears' pass rush because you guys got, I think, three guys' sacks or more. So it's it's not just uh, Leonard Floyd. You guys got our boy Willie Young kind of tearing things up there. I, and, yeah, I, I just think – I do think the Lions are going to be all right because they have that quick passing attack that can sometimes neutralize a good pass rush. Um and their their run defense is, is adequate. It's not great. And I know uh, Jordan Howard had a pretty good game against the Lions. I think it might have been his first hundred yard game of his career. Um, but but like I said, that defense has improved. I do think um, that the Lions can kind of exploit uh, a young secondary there in Chicago. And I just think uh, at this point they're they're the more they're the more complete team and. They have something to play for. They have a lot more motivation than I think the Bears do at this point, and they're quite a bit more healthy. So yeah. all those things really work in their favor, and uh, I, I think the, the line should take this one pretty easily.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, I, I agree with you. I mean, the two things that I like for you guys this week, number one, is because of your, your quick passing game, and uh, number two, the Bears are lousy at um, creating turnovers. I can't quite frankly remember the last time that we did uh so that's that's disturbing you know not not worry at all about uh, as far as the, the bears turning the game around because i think that honestly you know I, i'm sure there have been turnovers since then but the two turnover game that that stafford had in chicago is the mm-hmm. only multiple turnover game we've had all season so you know oh, wow. if if you guys can avoid that then that'll pretty much uh, i mean that would have probably won you the game if you hadn't turned the ball over uh in chicago so you know, we'll see, but at least we got one on you, and I can stop worried about this three-year streak that you guys had <laughs> on us. So I'd be okay with us splitting the series this season, especially since it was a home and home thing. The Bears won in Chicago. You guys can win in Detroit. How's that sound?
2: Hey, if if we had to give one up to the Bears to win the division for the first time since '93, I'll, I'll
1: take that. Yeah, I'm sure you would. All right, Jeremy, <laughs> thanks so much uh, for being on the uh, on the show, and uh, look forward to having you back on sometime in the future, man. Sounds good, Larry. Thanks for having me. All right. Jeremy Reisman, pride@detroit.com on SB Nation, helping us preview the Bears and the Lions for Week 14. One of the really cool things that um, that I've discovered in my time in in expanding the show, if you will, to include – uh, these interviews was meeting people like Jeremy meeting people like uh Evan Western and Lori Lattermore Volkman uh for the for the Mile High Report uh, and things and you know just just genuine good people uh you know who love their teams and you know uh despite their allegiances I call them friends you know what I'm saying uh it's been really fun and I really enjoy having Jeremy on the show looking forward next week to having Evan Western uh on the show despite him being a stinking packer fan he's a good dude and i like talking to him so we look forward to having him on the show next week interesting game between the bears and the packers uh next week the packers trying to make a run at this thing to to make something out of their season they're a 500 team right now um they have a tough game uh this week uh coming up um i forget who it is that they're playing but they got a they got a tough one coming up this week and then they got the bears on the road in chicago uh, next week see if the bears can snap that soldier field losing streak to the packers next week which would be nice a uh, nice little cherry on top of the season for fox to get another split against green bay only to win in chicago this time around but um you know um just to wrap things up here you know you heard jeremy talk about it Um, the 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 lions with more of the the short passing game getting the ball out of stafford's hands as quickly as possible may be what neutralizes our pass rush and the bears getting uh, to stafford which just basically means that hopefully fangio will get a bit more creative and blitz 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 i mean let's let's be honest folks we're three and nine what the hell do we have to lose at this point at this point the only thing we have left to play for you know like i said in in the intro last week is pride and paychecks and part of that pride can be ruining somebody's season now, we probably won't ruin what Detroit has going for them, but we can definitely delay the inevitable if you will. You know, plus how sweet would it be after being swept by Detroit for the last 3 years to get a sweep in on the year that they win the division. How would how about that being the blemish for Detroit that uh, you know, they swept the Vikings, um, you know, they they've got a chance week 17 to uh to to, uh, draw even with the Packers. They lost the first matchup just before they played the Bears, you know, but they got swept by Chicago. Wouldn't that just mm, kind of stick into them, especially since it looks like the Bears are destined for fourth place again uh, this season. So, you know, wouldn't that just be nice to have that to get into it? Plus, you know (laughs) – it would probably help Fox's case if he had a winning record uh, in the division. Whereas last year he was one in five to show some kind of progress. We're one in five in the division last year. Oh, let's look at that. We were like four and two in the division this year, or whatever we end up being. So, right now he has a winning record. He's two and one in the division. He's beat Detroit and Minnesota and lost to Green Bay on the road. So, um, anyway, it's um, I, I would just send the house. Send eight guys. Send nine. guys. I don't care. You know. We got to get to we got to get to Stafford. We got to give them, uh, we got to put pressure on him because, you know, granted he's been much better with the football since Jim Bob Cooter took over. What a ridiculous name! God help me. Um, but you know, ever since Cooter took over as the offensive coordinator, he's been a lot smarter with the football. his, his touchdown to interception ratio is r- ridiculous, uh, quite frankly, and he's an MVP candidate because of the way that he's played uh, throughout this uh, campaign. But he has proven that when under pressure, when he's trying to make something happen, he will serve one up on occasion. You know, so that's what the bear that's the position that we as a defense want to put Stafford in on Sunday. And on the offensive side of the football, I know this sounds crazy, but for Jordan's Howard's Jordan Howard's sake, we gotta come out throwing the football. Because I have no doubt that the Lions are going to have the same mentality that everyone else has. Uh, for the last several weeks. If you stop Jordan Howard, you stop the Bears. So we got to first make it <laughs> make it so that they're not quite focusing on Jordan Howard so hard because the Lions will definitely put eight guys in the box, nine guys in the box. They will definitely crowd those gaps to to close those running lanes for Howard. And the only way that we're going to offset that is by throwing the football. So, you know, we got to, even if it's the short passing game, you know, you want to dump to the tight end here, a quick flare out from the running back there, that kind of thing. You gotta get the defense on its heels a bit, so they're not automatically crashing uh, the line of scrimmage, or just use that predetermined um, that that predetermined determination, if you will, um, to stop the run, to set them up for play action. You know, come out on the very first play, fake the handoff to Howard, and go downfield to whoever we're piecing together in our offense in our in our uh wide receiving core uh at this point just don't let it be bellamy cuz he'll drop the damn ball so um you know let that be the strategy let's come out there and do something different let's make it exciting let's take some shots let's do something fun uh you know cameron meredith where's that guy been throw him the ball for christ's sake let him be the one that's deep on that first play action pass or something let him take a 50 50 shot against uh the secondary uh in detroit let's just try to make something happen you know i would rather see that than um you know us methodically trying to open things up with the run uh, or anything let's just come out firing like he did first snap of the game against Tennessee you know we're expecting to see the Bears run three yards in a cloud of dust every time the Bears come out with a deep throw on first down against the Titans and you know you kind of just notice from there like oh okay well it looks like the Bears trust Barkley because uh you know we're coming out throwing Uh, right away so let's continue to show Barkley that trust let's throw the football we know that he can handle the pressure because we've seen him do it already a couple of times uh, you know so far in in his uh, short tenure uh, with the team let's put it on him in the beginning to see if we can't get the Lions to uh, back off a little bit on on trying to defend the run and then give the ball to Howard and let them wear the Lions into dust uh, uh, you know on their own on their home field so Let's see if that works, you know, see if the Bears uh, try to employ that strategy and see if it can get us another victory. So the pattern that the Bears have been on so far this year is they lose three in a row and then they win. So we we lost one weeks one, two, and three, one week four. We lost uh, weeks five, six, and seven, one week eight, and then we, we lost uh, – <laughs> we lost weeks 10, 11 and 12 and one week 13. So basically we're going to lose this week, next week and the week after to Detroit, Green Bay and Washington and then finish off the year with a sweep of Minnesota uh, to finish 4 and 12 if the pattern holds. So hopefully we can break the pattern this week with a win over the Lions. Like I said, I think the Bears are capable of it. Will they do it? Can we trust them uh, at this point I say I say no cuz I definitely think the Lions unfortunately are are the better team. So I'll be rooting and hoping and praying for our beloved to come away with the victory, but I think they may come up short uh, this week against the Lions. I will be happy to be wrong about this on Monday, but uh, unfortunately that's how I think it's going to go down. So, But, you know, we'll be back on Monday with the review episode to see how it all went down. Did the Bears come close? Did they get rolled? Are the Lions for real? We'll find out on Monday. So until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been... The Chicago Bears Review
2: I live for the minute I live for a day. I'm doing my thing and you're doing your own year. You do what I want yeah. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. <laughs> Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet.